0: Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast. My name is Ian Hart. It's happy freaking Tuesday, everyone! Great day to be great as always. Fantastic show here on tap. We're talking Lamar Jackson requesting a trade. We got John Lynch saying nice things about Brock Purdy, and also I wrote an article about age cliffs in fantasy football, so we got some pretty darn cool takeaways for that. And by we, I mean myself and the one, the only director of analytics, all around
1: superstar Dwayne the Rock McFarland. Dwayne, I'm hyped up, man. What's up? I know you're hyped up, but you do this. And then like, now I got to live up to that, Ian, you know, you know how to, you know, how to keep the pressure on. No, uh, it's like you say, it's always a great day to be great. And, uh, yeah, excited to jump into all these topics pressure makes diamonds or
0: something I don't know I'm a fantasy football analyst not a geologist so we'll worry about that question another day get on to a more important question that is what the heck is going on with Lamar Jackson luckily we usually know because Lamar like most of us tends to tweet through his problems which makes for a very entertaining uh you know Monday here in the offseason so with Lamar he did come out on his Twitter account and tell everyone straight up that he requested a trade all the way back on March 2nd so that is only about three or so weeks ago but yeah been a minute when you don't go on Pat McAfee show and announce, you know, every single attention that you have about your career, these things can't actually go under, you know, the table, if you will. So Lamar's specific quote, as of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Also, Dwayne, I thought it was pretty funny how he ended his you know, tweet thread with a subscribe to my fan page link, you know, another example of Lamar yeah. taking a page out of the, you know, normal folk Twitter handbook. But yeah, only other note is that rap sheet did follow up and say that while the Lamar Jackson action trade request has been in sources do indicate that he was actively negotiating with the Ravens as recently as last week. So I'm not exactly sure, Dwayne, that this changes all that much in terms of where Lamar is eventually going to be, but it is nice to have some extra light shed on the situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I think, you know, we'll talk about potential landing spots here, you know, in a second. Um, but it is just a huge domino. I mean, we just want it to go ahead and happen. Um, lamar like he's gonna have standalone value no matter where he goes right like he's 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 gonna run the ball he's gonna do his thing i I don't know what version we'll get the 28.4 point version that we had in 2019 um or the 20.4 point per game version that we had last year and the years before that he's been somewhere in between those two numbers so if you've really looked at anything you know on fantasy football as far as quarterbacks and history like if you're over that 20 point per game mark like that's usually pretty good and he's been over it every year. Now, he hasn't always been able to stay healthy. He's only played 12 games in um, three out of the last five seasons. And then he's played 15 games in two of the others. Now, one of them, he wasn't hurt. It's just they didn't need to use him. So they were just able right. to you know, shut him down. So, yeah, with Lamar, we know he's going to have value. But where I'm really... Where I get really interested, Ian, is like, what kind of offense does he land in? Does his Is his skill set something that potentially helps elevate that offense from where they are today? Or would it be something where we think it's really static? Is it a downgrade? Because I think we do still have some questions about Lamar Jackson in the passing game. Hasn't necessarily been easy to grade him, you know, with the the talent that he's had surrounded – you know, surrounding him. You've talked about it in a tweet, how much, you know, capital that they've spent on him. But I will say that whenever I did a deep dive on Lamar, like one of the first thing, questions that came to my mind is like, okay, well, how much of this is really just tied to, you know, the fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't had any weapons. And I was able to isolate it down to actually all the plays where he did have Mark Andrews and he had Marquise Brown available together. And he still had some of the same challenges. So there's a bit of cloudiness I think Lamar can still win a Super Bowl. Like for an NFL team, you're just trying to figure out, can you win a Super Bowl? I think he has the skill set to make that happen. I do think that there are particular places that would be a lot better landing spot for him than others.
0: Ravens, fifth in the NFL in total points scored since drafting Lamar in 2018. Yes, it is different to watch than normal. The guy owns the record for, again, the most rushing yards in a single season after all in that incredible 2019 campaign. So I understand to an extent why, you know, we have to kind of consider if Lamar is, I guess, you know, worthy of this dollar more so than other quarterbacks because it does look different. But at the end of the day, a quarterback's job is trying to score a lot of points and Lamar has been better than just about anyone at doing that. So Dwayne, talking about those landing spots, I... Do you think that his skill set just, again, we've talked about this at length, you know, just about the impact that rushing quarterbacks, receiving running backs, when you have those multiple facets of getting that production, you're going to be able to put up big time fantasy numbers. I don't know that he even has like, could he go anywhere in the NFL and us not rank him as a top eight QB?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I, you know earlier when I was mentioning standalone value I don't really think it matters where he goes like because he runs so much and he's so good at running so and we still haven't seen a full year of Lamar being on the field and you know how the fantasy doctor community really feels about you know injuries it's they're not really that predictable right I mean just you may be injury prone until you're not and so we're eventually going to probably see a Lamar Jackson season where we get all 17 games out of him um you know and hopefully like he's at 90% health, you know, for most of those games and 90% of Lamar is going to be better than pretty much any quarterback, you know, as far as on the ground, like since the last, over the last three years, like he has the number two PFF rush grade as a quarterback. He's only behind Josh Allen. That doesn't necessarily mean like that Allen is better. It just comes down to situations and things like that. I think we all know, like as far as being a pure runner, It's Jackson and then Justin Fields. Like, that's how I would rank the top two, Um, probably in a tier. I think you had them separated into two tiers, which I think is fair. Jackson's shown it for a longer period than Fields. But because of that rushing ability, yeah, that just makes him someone that doesn't really matter where he lands. Like, he's still going to have value. But if he lands somewhere that has a lot of weapons around him, then maybe we get more value than we've ever seen out of him.
0: Again, the ceiling for Lamar is quite literally the best fantasy quarterback we've ever seen. Nobody has averaged more fantasy points per game in a season than what Lamar pulled off in 2019. But yeah, I mean, just when I was going around the league trying to figure out what are his dream spots, what are the more realistic spots, you know, what would be a little bit of an upgrade. I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be falling more than a spot or two in the fantasy rankings. But to your point, Dwayne, you know, if he ends up in a San Francisco type place, obviously we're going to be a lot more thrilled about what it was going on in Baltimore. So, last few things before we get to some of these specific potential spots in regards to those injuries both of them did occur in the pocket and as you mentioned Dwayne some of the Twitter doctors that we always love and try to you know give plenty of good credit to their work Dr. Edwin Porras has talked at length about Lamar specifically and how there really is no concrete evidence about these quarterbacks again being more of a pocket or being a dual threat and being any more injury prone regardless of how they are playing football which makes sense to me man when you can't move in the pocket and you're not getting the ball out of your hands in 2.1 seconds every single play like a Tom Brady not exactly ideal to now have to deal with those, you know, big time scary head rushers breathing down your neck. On the, to the more important stuff, though, which is the potential landing spots, Dwayne. I have four categories here, and we're not going to break down, you know, the intricacies of every single team and if they added Lamar Jackson, but for the dream spots, that I have that I do think these teams already have, you know, a path at quarterback, but you know, they could also handle adding Lamar freaking Jackson there. The 49ers, the lions and the dolphins stick out to me as those three teams where again, Lamar goes from maybe QB five, QB six in fantasy to arguably the QB one, because my God, those weapons and all three offenses to the Lions, you know, a little bit less, but the offensive scheme and just getting to play in a dome. I think we all can agree. Guys look faster in domes. What do you think about the 49ers Lions, or dolphins doing?
1: Yeah, I think those are absolutely like those would be choice spots. Like you have some other ones that are on the list we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. But to your point, when you talk about the weapons, you go to the 49ers, you've got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon IU, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. And I will say that's a really good fit for him. Um the Dolphins would also be a really good fit, like just stylistically. When I did a deep dive into Lamar, there was a few different things that I looked at, like just as a pure pocket, pocket passer, he did not great as well. But there were some things that when teams, whenever Baltimore used it, like he was really good. So if you look at like play action passing, which both of those teams know how to use really, really well, we're talking about Kyle Shanahan and then, you know, his offshoot with, um, you know, McDaniel. So it's. It's a situation where stylistically, like, I think he could fit right in. Like, he's the number three passer on play action with a PFF grade of 89.1 um, over the last three seasons. Non-play action, he does have a big drop-off. And the other thing is just finding a scheme where they're you know they're going to scheme it up to let him get really involved in the design run game. I think anywhere he goes, you have to do that. I think any coordinator should really be capable of doing that. But I do think those are two minds that could really potentially unlock some major upside because we've seen kyle shanahan do that in the past we've seen him with rg3 um we we wanted to get to see it with trey lance you know just hasn't worked out so far because of injuries but i think those two spots because of the weapons and the way they run their offenses i think it would be a really natural fit for lamar jackson and i would agree with you that would make his upside the the ceiling for him number one qb overall that's going to be his ceiling no matter what but it would make it a more probabilistic upside you know case scenario for him
0: and as, uh, you know, we're talking about Lamar to the 49ers in this dream world, we actually had a report come out that the 49ers are fielding trade interests for Brandon Ayuk. And that shocked me, Dwayne. So what I do, I look to see what the actual quote and tweet was. Here's the actual source. The 49ers have received interest in Brandon Ayuk from teams hoping they can trade for him, but the Niners intend to keep Ayuk. That's lesson number one of probably 150 times this offseason when I please beg of you everyone to go look at the actual source that is being quoted. Don't just take some click mainstream media's word for it. But enough of that. Let's talk about some teams, Dwayne, that I still think would be cool getting Lamar like they do need help at quarterback, but I do think they have a plan in place where it's not egregious necessarily if they don't go after him. The Jets. Jets. Jets, Titans, Patriots, Packers, and Steelers. So again, a little bit different, you know, per team. The Jets are allegedly going to be getting Aaron Rodgers. Still waiting on that to go through. They apparently have no plan B, Dwayne. So just, you know, really, you know, just reaping in that high leverage, you know, in these trade talks recently. Titans with Ryan Tannehill, Patriots, Mac Jones, Packers with Jordan Love, and Steelers with Kenny Pickett. Again, I'm not saying these teams should just bail on their, you know, first round pick they've taken in the last few years. But let's face it, Lamar's a quarterback upgrade for all but like five or six teams out there. These would make sense too.
1: Yeah, I agree. And so the Jets, right, and the Packers kind of fall into a similar, I would say the Titans as well, not the exact same scheme as what, you know, Miami and San Francisco use, but like still a run, it's, it's a run first offense or a run. If we're playing Madden, you're going to pick the run balance playbook. You're gonna have a lot of play action stuff going on in there. (laughs) Um, So I think that could be really good for Lamar. Now we've got a new offensive coordinator, you know, situation, but I think those would, those would be really good. And then with the Packers, like we know that really, you know, here, the last couple of seasons with LaFleur, it really has been more like that 49ers offense now wouldn't have the weapons, you know, like what you talked about in the first landing spot, but still, I think stylistically those teams could all make it work. Like the team I would be the least excited about would probably be the Patriots. Like I just yeah. you know, I don't know. There's just not enough weapons there. Uh like we would probably honestly consider that like a downgrade from Mark Andrews. Like just and and what we hope for, right, with Rashad Bateman still holding out hope. You know, Rashad just hasn't been able to stay healthy.
0: Come on, man. Lamar to juju. Get some Kendrick Born out there. That's not getting you excited, Dwayne.
1: See, exactly. Yeah. you actually I, I think I just fell asleep for a second.
0: <laughs> All right. These next teams, again, they seem to really be down with their quarterback or their drafting one. Again, you want to put Lamar on 25, 26 teams in the league. I'm not disagreeing with you, but just for you know the purposes of this, you know, super meaningful podcast here. Seahawks, Raiders, Saints, Texans, Panthers, Broncos, Vikings, Bears, Browns, Cardinals, and Rams they all pretty much already have answers or they are actively about to draft that answer high up in the first round to draft And Dwayne, after going through all those squads and, you know, leaving off the chiefs and Chargers of the world who are obviously well set. I think there are four teams who actually need to go ahead and try to do this thing. The Washington Commanders, the Atlanta Falcons, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and or the Indianapolis Colts. So pretty sure we can't clone Lamar at this point in time. That would be pretty good for ratings. Let me tell you what, what are your thoughts about Washington, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and Indy? And out of those four teams who again i think have the mix of needing a quarterback not having much invested in their quarterback and at least in the case of the commanders falcons and bucks sorry and well you know they got jonathan taylor that'd still be a fun time overall landing spot and what that would mean i guess for the team's real life chances of competing
1: yeah the falcons and the 49ers were the two that i liked the most now the falcons don't have the same skill players as the 49ers but you would theoretically have a tight end Theoretically, right? <laughs> that could stretch the middle of the field with Kyle Pitts. And look, folks, Kyle Pitts. Oh, I thought you were lawyer. talking about
0: John, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to be the under, underneath drag guy, Ian. <laughs> but yeah, with Pitts, like, it, we've seen him demand the targets. We've seen the nice yards per route run. We've seen him be able to, you know, to demand a higher A dot. Like, those deep crossing routes are really Lamar's best. And I think Kyle Pitts could be really good at that. So I think that would be a good fit. Again, another offense that likes to use a lot of play action, likes to use a lot of multiple sets, use fullbacks, extra tight ends, a lot of play actions, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of different things where I think Arthur Smith's scheme, you know, as much as we may haggle him, you know, there's some nice things going on within his scheme. More of the problem we have with Arthur Smith is the utilization, right, of his skill players. But I think with Kyle Pitts, with Drake London, you've got two young ascending talents. So that would be a positive. With the Bucks, yeah, they've got plenty of weapons around him. They would have to kind of revamp their offense. But, you know, I think that's something that they could be up to the challenge of doing. The Colts, it's interesting because they do have the four, the number four pick, but we've seen recently like Early on, like Will uh, Levis was really attached to them, the quarterback out of Kentucky. But it sounds like he's starting to fall down draft boards, at least for like, you know, this next 24 hour news cycle. Who knows what will be happening in the next 24 hours after that? So the Colts are interesting because they're just far enough down that they may not, you know, be in on getting one of the top two to three quarterbacks they like unless they want to trade up. And once you factor that in, it's like, well, okay, do I want to trade? two first round picks to go get Lamar Jackson, or do I want to trade two to three first round picks to try to trade up and draft, you know, Bryce young or Anthony Richardson. I think that's very debatable. um, You know, to be honest, I think in that case, you might actually prefer Lamar at a little lower cost. And then the commanders, like it's kind of a no brainer. Like you said, these are all no brainer ones too. I agree with you. I think these are the four um the commanders you know i think there's plenty to like there as far as the weapons around them as well um they've got a new offensive coordinator they're going to be doing some new different things so yeah i like the list that you put together
0: with the Commanders, it'd be almost an identical drive to work from Lamar, you know, going from Baltimore, D.C., so they do have that going for them, and I think out of this group, just the most proven set of weapons in terms of Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel, but you no, know, Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, they're pretty damn good in their own right, so I might have to take back that statement immediately. I think the best and swaggiest option has to be the Falcons, those All Blacks and those Red Helmets, Dwayne, come on, seeing Lamar score and do the Dirty Bird, I mean, Atlanta would be going freaking crazy from Dave one and yeah with the Colts this is the one spot where we've heard some reporters talk about this potentially lasting until after the draft because I believe in any franchise tag you know complete experts out there please let us know in the comments if I'm mistaken here but if they did wait until after the draft and then they could still do the two first round pick trade but then they seemingly wouldn't be giving up the fourth overall pick assuming Lamar makes them a bit better than that they would now be giving up you know their 2024 2025 first round picks where presumably Lamar is leading them to bigger and better things anyway so I'm sure you know we'll continue to get Lamar tweeting through it continuing to get national reporters you know giving us every minuscule update around the way along the way I should say Lamar watch not ending anytime soon Dwayne another big QB news breaking here on this lovely Monday afternoon as we're recording this 49ers GM John Lynch must have known I was about to publish my quarterback tears article because he dropped a relative bombshell saying that Brock Purdy has, quote unquote, earned the right to be a 2023 starter and called him straight up the leader in the clubhouse. So it's not ridiculous. It's not crazy news. I mean, we all saw what Purdy was able to do. Guy didn't lose a start until he couldn't even throw a football in the NFC championship game. So nothing against that. I would just say I feel much worse about Lance's potential to keep this job after hearing those comments this swing the pendulum for you Dwayne because I do want to be careful about not becoming a victim of the moment you know this is a random March weekday we've seen GM say plenty of you know bonkers stuff out there but again it's not the craziest idea in the first place because of how well Brock Purdy did play after going in there and just with John Lynch man we had that uh I thought oh, who was it the the one It was a fantasy guy. He did the funny meme where it was like Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza saying how if you touch your head, you know the person's lying, you know, when they're going through it. And it was John Lynch talking about Trey Lance, you know, doing that. So overall thoughts on John Lynch's, again, anointing basically Brock Purdy as the expected week one starter, if he is healthy enough to do so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get where they're coming from because he's just got a longer track record, you know, on an NFL field than what we've seen from Trey Lance. but. The bigger factor for me is really just Trey Lance's ADP. Like, really, he's being drafted in the range that Jalen Hurts was two years ago when we knew Jalen was going to be the starter, right? We didn't know if Jalen Hurts would be good yet, but we knew he could run, and we knew he was going to be the Eagles starter. And he was in that eighth, seventh, ninth round range pretty much all summer. Sometimes he would fall a little below that. Um, and then if you look at, you know, last year, this is really the equivalent of what we saw last year with Lance when we knew he was going to be the starter. So on one hand, he has the ingredients you want, right? He's got that, you know, he's got this easy top song. He's got legs and he knows how to use them, <laughs> except that version is she's got legs. Well, he's got legs, knows how to use them. Um, and you know, he could be like a Lamar Jackson. He could be like a Jalen Hurts. but there is a, it's a little, it's, it's, it's got more bust potential now. Right. If you're having to take him in the eighth round, like I'd feel way better about Trey Lance in the 10th or 11th round when you look at all the other players that are coming off the board in the seventh and eighth rounds. Like, look, the upside case is still there, but he's got another hurdle now to deal with. Um, and they do really seem to like Brock Purdy. So I, I, I do think that it is worth noting.
0: 49ers should hopefully, you know, be giving Lance all their loving and you know if he happens to be a sharp dressed man along the way maybe they do figure out some in the future alright enough ZZ Top references for one show Dwayne but look I did have to mightily adjust the tears and I was probably a little too optimistic on Lance I guess keeping the job because I do still think that he should be considered a favorite to be the week one starter again we talked about this in our last podcast going over some of the injuries but Dr. Jeff Mueller does point out that the tear is bad enough to originally delay surgery and Purdy's absolute best case scenario is to be ready by week one and that echoes what the beat reporters have told us specifically NBC Sports Jennifer Lee Chan who reports Purdy's six-month recovery time frame would have him fully cleared by the second week of September should everything go as planned so we'll see and I I guess Dwayne like the one thing that's just annoying me with all this is the idea that Trey Lance is his bust and he's been bad we saw the dude play four quarters last year in a freaking monsoon where the NFL Mm. like literally had to digitalize like put the yard markers on the TV because you couldn't even see what they were in the middle of Soldier Field. And then the next game, he plays 16 snaps before he got hurt. So again, I've talked about this before, how I just despise that when we talk about these, you know, players who don't meet expectations, they're all thrown to bust. He's a bust. Trey Lance is a bust. Just like someone else would be called a bust for playing four years and just not being good. I really wish there was a way for guys that unfortunately just can't stay healthy and are getting injured to differentiate between them being, you know, just a bust who's not any good at football. So if Trey Lance can get out there, we know what the ceiling is in terms of his rushing Usage. I mean, my goodness, in his four games that we've seen him out there, if you just take the average over 17 games on pace for 187 carries and with those weapons, it's not hard to believe that he would be able to put up some serious QB one goodness just remains to be seen if he can get that opportunity so adjusting on the fly Dwayne I do have him in a tier with Kyler Murray actually as my QB 20 and QB 21 so still optimistic a little bit because my god if he can keep the starting job we're looking at uh you know what the kids would call a league winning asset does he actually get a chance to keep it though not looking great so QB 21 for Trey Lance is where I have him right now his ADP before this news was QB 14 Dwayne I imagine that's going to be in not a free fall but it's definitely going to be Coming down,
1: yeah. Well, it's already been coming down just just since if he's at fourteen now. Well, I think he was thirteen last week when we talked, twelve yeah. or thirteen. So, and he was going in that round eight range. Like once he gets down or you know if he gets down to round eleven, round twelve, then it's fine. Like you're taking him in the same range as you're taking receivers with upside that could be busts as well, right? Where you're just you're basically taking swings in that range. Yeah. The problem right now is if he's going in, you know, that QB, you know, round eight range. There's just some higher probability receivers and running backs that you could be throwing darts at. And, and again, not to say this changes Trey Lance's profile, it's still there. like you you've said it all. like he's perfect he's got it. It's just when you think about the other factor of Purdy now, like it, I would feel more comfortable if he was a little lower. And I'd be willing to draft him a little higher than like what you're talking, q b twenty, just because he should get the chance to become the you know, the starter, start week one. And I agree with you, like he could end up getting benched, but if he can just get out there and do well early on like that, you know, that's all we can really hope for. So if you think he's going to be the week one starter, I think taking him that round 11, 12 range is fine. Eight still just feels really high. Maybe even round like 11 would be okay. And it it depends on your roster construction, right? If you waited at quarterback and you definitely want to have some upside, there's a lot of, you know, merit like to taking Trey Lance, maybe a little sooner and not just being a a slave to what the adp says
0: on the other side of the coin we do have brock purdy still sitting all the way down with the qb34 adp you would imagine that's going to come up but this does tend to be a thing, Dwayne, where I think the original ADPs are always going to skew things quite a bit. Like, even if Purdy does deserve to maybe be more of a low end QB2 now, just because he started this low, I think it's going to be hard for him to climb up as high as maybe he should be. I mean, just based on, again, not knowing exactly how healthy it is, it's tough to get him too high up. But at a minimum, I put him right back up there in the tier alongside, you know, Jordan Love and some of these incoming rookies, Kenny Pickett and guys like that. And you can actually say he's proven more than those guys to this point lest we forget you know his first seven starts including the playoffs managed to throw for at least two touchdowns each and every time so we're not getting anything on the ground really with Purdy he can move but he's moving you know to throw the ball not to exactly take off rushing that's on Purdy at the end of drafts while his ADP remains in the gutter
1: I think when he's free, he's a fine guy, especially if you've drafted Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Iu, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Those are all good reasons to throw Purdy on like as your third quarterback. I don't think you can draft him as your second quarterback, right? No. I I think you got to to feel really You can. Like you could just embrace the variance and say I think Brock Purdy's going to, you know, be the, the QB for the 49ers if not this team you know stinks. Like you can also do that. So there's there's different ways to approach it. Um but I think and for for the most part, like I would prefer him like as my QB3 kind of a thing because you're getting them with the last pick anyway you know I mean and when you look at what other things you would be taking with the last pick I think there's a fair argument to be made for just going with Purdy again especially if you have a 49er
0: And especially now that the main best ball drafts on underdog, at least the big board, which is their major tournament right now, is 20 rounds, not 18 anymore. So once you get into those final two rounds, already last year, again, there was an edge to be had taking guys, you know, like a Derek Goff or a Carson Wentz, just someone that you were confident starting the majority of their team's games. I understand Wentz got hurt and that didn't work out quite as well as Goff. But I do think when you're looking at the bottom and you see someone that could start double digit games, at quarterback quite a bit more valuable than a complete dark throw wide receiver running back who might not even end up on the team when, again, we're already all the way that deep in the drafts. Last big news thing from today, at least, Dwayne, is that DeAndre Hawkins has gained permission to speak with other teams per Monday Morning Quarterbacks Albert Breer. So we have heard from Aaron Wilson that the Bills were the headliner team that has talking to him, but obviously that's just one report. Look, we realize DeAndre Hopkins would help all 32 teams out there, but Dwayne, this is a fantasy football podcast. So I want to try to zero in on what teams could actually give him the best fantasy football value. Quickly going through the rosters. I found five teams. I think he immediately goes there as locked in as the wide receiver one. The Patriots, the Ravens, the Titans, the Giants, and the Panthers. Any of them, especially moving the needle for you.
1: Um not really I me mean, either against, man yeah. the, the problem is right uh patriots want to be a run first team raven now they might switch if they had better weapons right and then if, yeah. if mac jones can mature and continue to move forward the ravens are probably going to be a run heavy team the titans are going to be a run heavy team the giants were run heavy last year i don't know that necessarily means that's their identity going forward like if you saw the receiving core last year you probably would have been run heavy as well and we've seen brian dable uh flip from being a run heavy coach to being a pass heavy coach with Josh Allen. You know, so a lot of times these coaches really just do, uh, or deploy their offense or set their offense up based on, you know, the talent that they have around them, which makes a lot of sense. What a concept the Panthers, yeah, the Panthers I struggle with just cause I don't, yeah, I totally agree. Like he would be the number one there. Um, just like, just don't know how good the offense is going to be probably going to have a rookie quarterback there. That's going to be better than what we've as bad as it's been there. That's definitely going to be better than what we saw with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. But again, I don't get super excited of any of those. Honestly, I'd rather see him as the number two on the Bills than the number one on any of these is, is is my gut. Same thing with the Chiefs. Be the number two on the Chiefs would be better than being the number one on any of these teams.
0: And that's the next category here where they might not be the number one, but when the offense is as good as these are and or they have just a great quarterback, might actually prefer him on one of these squads as opposed to somewhere with maybe just a touch more volume. Specifically, Dwayne already named the top two. Bills, Chiefs, the Browns, reunion with Deshaun Watson. I know we've heard about Bill O'Brien, you know, bringing him to the Patriots and getting that going, but haven't heard as much murmurs about the Browns. I know they already traded for Elijah Moore and they have Amari Cooper, but didn't think it was, you know, too crazy. Also, the Minnesota Vikings replaced Adam Thielen and the Rams if they feel like going back to that well again after the Allen Robinson experiment failed so miserably so look Bills and Chiefs I didn't clear cut the top two teams but you know the other ones make some sense too guess what Dwayne every running back and every wide receiver we could talk about guess what offenses they're gonna be better off on the bills and the chiefs. So like, I don't want to act like we're, you know, just, you know, reinventing the wheel here, saying that Hopkins on the bills or chiefs would be a good, uh good fit, but yeah, it would be any extra thoughts again, on like the Browns, Vikings or Rams though. Cause as much as again, it'd be great for all of us. If he just goes to the bills or chiefs, that's the case for every single wide receiver out there.
1: I would just have some more general comments on Hopkins himself. Um, you know, he didn't play all of last season because he had the suspension early on. Then he had the injury at the end of the year. He has picked up some injuries over the last couple of seasons, um you know in 2007 2008 all of his underlying data metrics still pointed to him being an elite wide receiver one over the last two years his pff receiving grade has really fallen more into that wide receiver two wide receiver three status when i say wide receiver two three it's basically just going back and looking at the you know fantasy performers right and then tiering them into top 12 top 24 top 36 you know so wide receiver ones twos threes fours that kind of thing and then you know, tying that back to, okay, on average, typically, what do those, what are the thresholds, right? That those performers had as far as PFF receiving grade yards per route run targets per route run. Um, but last year is targets per route run, which is really a good stat to have whenever you've got a big enough sample size and, but yet they didn't play in all the games, right? So it's tough to use just target share unless you're going to do it by game. Um, but this is a quick, easy way, 26% targets per route run. That was still wide receiver one worthy. His targets per route run was a 1.98. That was still wide receiver two worthy. So Hop, you know, sometimes, and we'll talk about Cliffs in a minute. I know that's the next thing here, Ian, and they can happen really quickly, but everything indicates right now that he's still fine. Like he's, he's, he's a lot better option than what Adam Thielen was. So if he went to the Vikings, I would expect him to have a larger role than what we saw Thielen have there. Obviously, Justin Jefferson still going to be the clear number one. TJ Hawkinson going to do his thing. So you probably don't see a 28% target share or anything like that for, for Hopkins. But he could still demand a 23, 24. And there'd be certain kind of things they would really probably prefer him on, maybe inside the five-yard line, stuff right. like that. So I think there's a lot of outs for DeAndre Hopkins still in his talent profile. Now, again, we'll talk about age cliffs in a second. Things can change quickly, but based on the data we have right now, like he's still playing really good as long as he can stay healthy despite the age.
0: It is a bit of a catch-22 when talking about Hopkins with the age because he never has been just this complete burner. I mean, okay, he can take the top off of defense for sure, but way more so just a complete contested catch, you know, maestro and then his route running. Absolutely incredible, you know, over the years. So on the one hand, he's never exactly won with, you know, just complete burner speed. On the other hand, you could argue that, okay, well, that could make it even more important that he doesn't lose a step because he's never exactly been winning with that anyway. So we'll see what happens. But I do agree with the general notion that, no, nothing about Hopkins has looked, you know, completely washed over the past two years by any stretch of the imagination when he's been out there.
1: Sorry. Hey, it was a really good point by you, Ian. So like one of the things that I went back and looked at, um, you know, kind of looking more at archetypes, some of the archetypes of receivers that have been able to continue on doing their thing have been really more in his mold where they're more like, Hey, I'm not open, but I'm open, dude. Yeah. just get it over here you know and d hop has always had that element to his game and so i think that does really bode well um, because we've seen guys like brandon marshall you know there's others that we've seen that have been able to play and do things on a little bit later in their career versus some of the speed guys where when we do see that that speed is gone if they can't make a transition a transition into turning into a different type of receiver whether well, that means a lot of times later in careers kicking inside of the slot but larry fitzgerald's another example of someone that was able to play on at a very high level for a long time time that comps well to DeAndre Hopkins. So I thought it was a great point.
0: Thanks, man. And yes, specifically, we have only had fourteen wide receivers over the past ten years, age thirty or older, put forward a top twelve season in PPR points per game. Larry Fitzgerald did it three times. What a freaking king! Edelman twice, and then we also had another group that was joined by Devonte Adams, Hopkins himself, and Keenan Allen last year. So yeah, again, not a one size fits all thing, but generally, I think you're not going to see you know the complete burner types. Save for the random D-Jacks here and there, you know, keeping on, keeping on, quite that. Well, deep into their 30s. Last note before we do actually get on to some more age close specific takeaways. This actually happened last Friday, I believe. But DJ Chark, arguably the number one wide receiver in the free agency class, with all due respect to Jacoby Myers and maybe even Juju Schmidt-Schuster, did go ahead and sign with the Panthers. So with DJ Chark, Dwayne, I mean, only five million, which surprised me. I mean, for that cost, I'm really surprised that a team like the Chargers or even the Eagles, like someone that just didn't have the biggest need for a wide receiver, but again, for five million, like you take Chark as your wide receiver three in an instant because he's a six foot three, two hundred pound dude, but four point three four, you know, speed to run the forty yard dash. And so last year we did see him like fifth in yards per reception, a little bit more middling, you know, PFF receiving grade and yards per hour run. So I guess the question is, how confident are you in Chark taking over this pretty wide open offense versus how much do you think that he might just be more of a complimentary piece? in an offense that might have a lot of opportunity, but you know, it's basically going back to last year, Dwayne. Are we looking at another guy? That's going to be like a lizard or Juju a bit overhyped because of the situation, or do you think we've seen enough from Chark that he can go in there and actually demand more targets than he has in the past?
1: Yeah, it's all, there's always a chance. And, and at one point Chark was kind of, tra- you know, he was on a trajectory that made us think maybe he could do that, you know? So you at least have to give him that, um and Thielen's a lot older than he is so Thielen's headed in the opposite way now whether or not chart can turn that around I don't know but in his second year he scored 224 PPR points uh he was a wide receiver two he had a wide receiver two PFF receiving grade uh a wide receiver three though targets per route run and yards per route run now you have to be careful with yards per route run because your quarterback really does have implications like targets per route run is like hey you earned a target or you didn't yeah, quarterback can matter. Quarterbacks may have certain chemistry with certain guys, but for the most part, like target earning comes down to the talent. Yards per route run is also really good. But if your quarterback really stinks, you can imagine your yards per route run are not going to be as good as if you play with Patrick Mahomes. Like, so you kind of have to remember that. But last year, his yards per route run um, with Jared Goff, and again, not great, but we've seen Jared Goff support multiple wide receivers to top 24 finishes in the past. In fact, we've seen him support multiple teammates on the same team being inside the top 24 or top 36 multiple times back in his day with the Rams and DJ Chark. Like if we isolate it down just to the per route stuff, 21% targets per route run. That's solid. That's a wide receiver three. Uh and then if you look at his yards per route run, sorry, it was 15%. It was so it wasn't solid. I was looking at Corey Davis one. Corey Davis, you were solid. solid. We'll (laughs) shout you out, Corey Davis. You were solid in that regard. DJ Chark was not. He was at a 15%, which is wide receiver six plus. And then yards per route run, he was a wide receiver in wide receiver five territory. Again, very small sample. He was only out on the field uh last season for 54%, you know, not super small, but pretty small, 54% of the routes. I think that's the other challenge teams have with him is he just hasn't been healthy. And that's probably why he didn't get the bigger contract. Same thing with Rashad Penny. Sometimes when these guys have been so injury-prone, I think that's just something that ends up you know, taking over with an NFL team, and I guess you know, maybe they should listen to some of the fantasy analysts, but there is room here for him to do more. I, I will say, I think what we've seen from him, he's probably never going to be someone that all of a sudden is like a 28% target share guy, but would it surprise me if he was 22% and led the team in air yards and touchdowns? Like that wouldn't surprise me. And that could make him a wide receiver three. And if, the, if a rookie quarterback surprises us, he could have wide receiver two upside. I'm, I would be drafting him more as like a boom bust wide receiver five, maybe a low end wide receiver four.
0: And I agree with you, Dwayne, It was surprising to see him price all the way down for now, wide receiver 70 over on an underdog and Adam Thielen's, I mean, a wide receiver 65 in his own right. So we see this in uneven, uncertain, I should say, situations where basically all the confusion around who's going to be a league guy just leads to all parties involved having their value and accordingly their ADP really depressed to the point where like, Chark and Thielen, I mean, either guy, even if we heard, you know, from the entire Panthers organization, like, hey, DJ Chark is our undisputed number one. Thielen's could be our two. I don't think Thielen's moving down from wide receiver 65. Like, if anything, like, I I don't know. They both should be up further to that. Very good example of being able to buy guys far closer to their floors than their ceiling. I mean, they're next to guys like MVS, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, Rashid Shahid, Dwayne, is going ahead of DJ Chark right now. So I know it just happened. You know, we can see these, uh, you know, better sustain themselves here over the next couple of weeks when everyone's well aware about the roster, you know, just turnover that's happened during free agency. But, Very important just to realize with some of these teams, uncertainty can be your best friend when it leads to that much, much lower ADP than you would have anticipated. Before we get to my age cliff takeaways, want to invite you guys to go subscribe to our always free newsletter over at fantasylife.com, making big time moves to the website. We got a redesign on the way, but in the meantime, plenty of content, plenty of cools, and yeah, a freaking newsletter that goes to your email address each and every morning. And by that, I mean, Monday through Friday in the off season, every morning though in the in season. So Dwayne, myself, Peter Overset writing multiple of these per week. We got the rest of the crew on it as well. It's Just a good way to start the day. Why not? It is free after all. Support the podcast. Support you. Support America by subscribing to the fantasylife.com newsletter when you get a chance. And also check out our YouTube page at MB Fantasy Life. Maybe you're listening to us on YouTube. Appreciate that. Let us know in the comments where you think Lamar should end up if you were, you know, pulling the strings with that. But yeah, as much as we love the podcast, we do have other video content that we push out not even related to the podcast. Dwayne, you were giving out awards in our awesome graphics team even spruced you up in a tuxedo wasn't on my bingo card for things i expected to happen after joining fantasy life but i freaking love it and i would freaking love it if all of you could go out there and just subscribe to at mb fantasy life makes everything easier for us and allows us to continue to make everything free 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 all the time all right Dwayne, really and what's the right word exciting we'll go with exciting really exciting stuff here age cliff takeaways i got the article online and again shout out to our graphics team they had this really cool you know cliff that looks kind of scary it gets me interested in, you know just the ramifications that age can have on a player's fantasy football performance out there joint and guess what younger is generally better shocking i know but it really is is, you know, one of those things where we see running back wide receiver and tight end alike, man, once you hit 30, it's pretty much over. So I say that fully well, knowing that survivorship bias is at play here. Essentially, when you're looking at a big group of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of players, guess what? A lot more of those players are going to be younger than the older players. So when we're, you know, saying, oh, okay, there's less 30 year olds balling out, there's also a much lower total volume of 30 year olds than there is 22 year olds all that said man that doesn't you know solely explain exactly what we've been getting here in terms of younger players just absolutely crushing it so in general running back after those first four or five years in the league you do see the overall percentage of fantasy performers start to drop off specifically by age 29 is when we go all the way down to 3%. A wide receiver, they have a little bit longer shelf life, but it's only a year longer, Dwayne, before we again see regular double-digit percentage in terms of the number of performers and top 12 PPR points per game get down to 5%. And tight end, it's a little bit better, but still not great. In general, Dwayne, you see a running back wide receiver or even tight end turning 29, dare I say 30. It's not looking good in the future.
1: Yeah. And I, and again, I do, it's like you said, there's there are a lot of factors going on with this um, with wide receivers. Um, if you go back even further, though, like we've seen a lot of guys play like and I say a lot, again, relative to the guys that were still playing. And I yeah. think that's the huge part, like your denominator changes, which is your point right over time mm-hmm. because you've got less of these 30 year olds in the league. But the thing that's interesting about the receivers is, yeah, it does drop off. Um, but you still have a 2%, 3%, 2%, you know, into the early thirties. And that's representing the Larry Fitzgerald's, the Steve Smith's, um, like now Deandre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, they're all jumping into the 31 bucket. You know, I would bet on Hopkins being fine this year, like Thielen, not so much. Now, again, his ADP is fine, but like, he's really been kind of on a downward trend already. And the thing is like, the other thing I will say here is like, but the cliff can happen really quick and that was something yeah. that adam harstad over at football guys studied did a really good job of he did this thing called mortality tables he was a little less dark than you you <laughs> know mortality tables versus h cliff and it's essentially just showing that like look these guys are just good until they're not like it can just happen at any time so you have to be careful like i i would personally bet on hopkins being fine i feel like the end has probably already come for thielen um but a few of them can still make it and then tight ends, you know, like you mentioned, it goes on a little, the really good ones can continue on. Like you're still seeing five, six, eight percent in age 30, 31, 32 versus over at running back. You got a zero, a one and a zero or a three a zero and a one. So I think it's, I think it's more problematic for running backs than any position uh, by far. Like a running backs, you look at the late ones and you've got all zeros and it's like code, binary code, zero one, zero, zero, zero. Um, So I, I think, You have to be really careful with the backs. You get more careful with wide receivers, and you have a little bit more room with tight ends.
0: I do agree that mortality tables, uh, slightly nicer Dwayne, but versus me, you know, shoving these elderly fantasy players off a cliff. That's probably not the best, uh, <laughs>
1: well, that would have had girl scout implications. I'm sure mortality. <laughs> table, <laughs> so,
0: exactly. Yeah. Okay. So again, younger is generally better. And now let's get into some of the more specifics. And I will say that we talked about running back wide receiver and tight end because quarterback is the only position where we do see the old dudes keep on keeping on. And it's not just the Tom Brady's of the world. You know, when I tweeted this out originally, everyone said, oh, oh my God, look, Tom Brady skewing this. And yes, he is responsible for six top 12 fantasy seasons after reaching the age of 35. But Drew Brees had six in his own right. Aaron Rodgers had three. Peyton had two. Even Big Ben also had two. So again, it's just one of those things that when you see the quarterbacks, Get past the age of 35, especially nowadays where defenders can barely even breathe on these dudes without getting a roughing the pass or penalty called. I am not overly concerned about their age unless we saw the 2015, you know, late 2014 Peyton Manning noodle arms start to show up. 2020, Drew Brees, without notable verified physical decline. I'm not overly worried about the age cliff for quarterbacks. And Dwayne, we do have plenty of quarterbacks getting up there. Aaron Rodgers will be 40 in December. Matthew Stafford turned 35 in February. Ryan Tannehill turns 35 in July. Russell Wilson's 35 in November and Kirk Cousins is 35 in August. Out of all those, the only one that I'm even a little bit worried about in terms of just their ability to still throw a football is Matthew Stafford and that's not really because he's getting a year older. It's because we just saw last year him have neck and elbow problems. Thoughts? on those quarterbacks and if you are at all worried about their age.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not really worried about any of them other than Stafford. And once the offseason's fully over, I know we've heard the rumors of still retirement may, may not be out of question, things like that. So there's been some buzz around him that also makes us feel that way, not just the injuries that we saw last season. Exactly. Um, but most of this, as far as I could tell, when I was getting ready for the show, is all baked into ADP. Like ADP's yeah. really sharp. Like already at this time of the year, with underdog, like Stafford is pro- I, Stafford is definitely and Tannehill are the two that are going the latest. You know, out of this group, people are a little more optimistic about Rogers and Russ. And I don't want to say optimistic about Russ, but he's getting. You know, he can get drafted. You know, he's going to get yeah. drafted in a best ball draft. Um, I, I think Russ is the other one though that does kind of stick out to me, Ian, just because you do wonder. Like if suddenly Russ's game is starting to break down, um, you know, because he is getting a little bit older, used to do a little bit more scrambling, was a little more involved in the run game than what he is today. Um, you know, two seasons ago, he was decent in the run game. But now we've seen two, the last two consecutive seasons anyway, just hasn't been quite as good. So it makes you wonder if that aspect of his game isn't quite there. Um, so that that would be the main ones for me. But Stafford is definitely the one that I would be most concerned about. But he's free in drafts right now.
0: I did do a study last year where I looked at, I think every quarterback who had ever had like an 80 carry season to their name, 16 times 5 was 80, so I was trying not to pick too ridiculous of, you know, an arbitrary threshold, but that's life when you're doing some of these studies. Anyway, as you would think, quarterbacks do run less as they get older, and again, only like a 13 to 15 quarterback sample, but for Russ and even Ryan Tannehill, certainly would think that they're rushing, their you know, their high end rushing days, probably more so in the past. Fun fact, uh, to impress your friends or, you know, go on Tinder and drop this one on him rushing touchdowns Dwayne from 2019 to 2022 Ryan Tannehill has 20 Lamar Jackson 19 does that little finger roll thing too Ryan Tannehill gets no love out there in the streets Dwayne it's like the guy went out there and was a legit really good quarterback for two years he gets hurt last year and everyone's just like oh Tannehill move on already Tennessee so enough about that though let's talk about running backs who have fallen off a cliff really after the age of 28 and yeah the high performing exceptions have been few and far between specifically nine instances of a player being older than 28 by the end of the year and still posting top 12 fantasy numbers so Again, this is top 12. Like Dwayne said earlier, Thielen's ADP is fine. If it's priced in, okay, guess what? If Thielen's the wide receiver 65 and he finishes as the wide receiver 15, that's a major W. So again, we are looking at the top of the top here. Don't want to completely rule out, you know, some guys still being able to be a solid fantasy performer. Just again, trying to find those quote unquote league winners. So again, nine instances of a running back older than 28, posting top 12 numbers. We had Matt Forte, Justin Forsett in 2014. Forte did it again in 2015 alongside Adrian Peterson. Danny Woodhead, D'Angelo Williams, Shady McCoy in 2017 pulled one off as well. Since 2017 though, only two instances, Mark Ingram in 2019 really buoyed by, you know, those 15 plus touchdowns. I think it was 15 touchdowns and that just awesome offense and Derrick Henry last season. And guess what, Dwayne? Now we got to look at Derrick Henry this season because him and Aaron Jones are the only two top 24 running backs right now in terms of total, in terms of ADP, who will be 29 years old by the end of 2023 three so thoughts on derrick henry and aaron jones because a lot of numbers out there telling us to end that if they're going to put up top 12 numbers they're going to be an exception to the rule
1: yeah and again it comes down to adp like when we look at derrick henry he's picked 27 right now on underdog so you're already getting him in the third round people are already pricing in a fall for derrick henry people were thinking derrick henry would fall off the cliff you know the last Two years in some cases, right? because some folks just are like, "Well, let's just be ahead of the age cliff. I never want to be behind it. Um, but going in the third round, like dude if he if he is healthy and he's still on the Tennessee Titans and he doesn't hit a wall, which he hasn't necessarily, he's definitely taken a little bit of a step down in his efficiency numbers over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. But relative to the rest of the league, his numbers are still better than most yeah. of the league, even though compared to his history, they're not as good. So I don't know, man. Like, I haven't fully wrapped my mind around it. I haven't done my ranks yet. And, but Derrick Henry in the third round, like, doesn't bother me as much as Derrick Henry in the first round, you know? and then It doesn't Aaron bother Jones- me.
0: Yeah, hold on. Let's stick with Henry oh, for a yeah, sec because yeah, yeah. we, we did have a, you know, I don't want to say legendary because probably like 5,000 people listened to it, but we went off last year. You know, Austin Eckler, you were on him and I was on Derrick Henry. Guess what? They both finished as top four guys. But yeah, Dwayne, you get the W. Like Austin Eckler was the right pick with Henry. One thing we talked about, and we had Tage Seth on the old PFF fantasy pod to go through basically the idea that running backs, Their ability to get rushing yards over expectation once they have 1,500 NFL carries under their belt really starts to fall off. So it's not that Henry can't get the great volume still. We know how much Tennessee loves him. And look at the offense. Who else are they really going to give the ball to? But his ability to keep on averaging, you know, north of five yards per carry, most likely in the past. And we have seen that over these past two years. Really, the only reason why Derrick Henry was able to still supply such good numbers last year was career high marks in receptions and receiving yards. And he smashed his previous career highs Was helped out in large part by Dontrell Hillier getting hurt for a bit of that year. So, going through my RB tiers, Dwayne, let me list these out. And I have not haven't done my second review, so if there's anything egregious, everyone chill. It's a safe space, okay? We're in a safe space. I'm going to go through it. My tier one, fantasy football cheat codes. We got CMC and Eckler. Tier two, every down workhorses. I got Saquon, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Tier three is where I got Derrick Henry, but it's alongside another seven running backs. So I got Kenneth Walker at the top of the tier, followed by Jonathan Taylor, B. John Robinson, Nick Chubb, Travis Etienne, Dalvin Cook, and our RB 12, Derrick Henry. So I hear you in the third round, yes, that's a fine spot to take Henry, but I still think these other guys, Dalvin, ETN, Nick Chubb, Bijan has more of a pass down opportunity. I think Taylor and Kenneth Walker arguably do as well. I just don't really want that much exposure to Titans offense at this point. Last year, we were coming off a pretty nice little stretch run there for the Titans, still putting up lots of points. Really I'm not all that convinced that we're going to see the Titans, you know, ascend back to where they were. This seems like an offense that really needs to rebuild sooner rather than later. And again, when Henry's next to other running backs that aren't exactly, you know, spring chickens over here in their own rights, I just don't think that he necessarily deserves. I don't think you should be going out of your way to rank him as a top five, top six back at this point.
1: Yeah, I agree. And like, just going back through history, like looking at the backs and, you know, the 29 38 season, like it's, Back in the day, we would get more, Ian, uh, of these older backs. Now, this is where the question is, well, have we just not had really older backs that have managed to stay good for a longer period of time? Because even back in the day, backs got worse as they went on. Like, look, as a Dallas Cowboys fan that loved Emmitt Smith at the end, it was pretty brutal. Like, you know, I was at the game where he broke the record, and I felt like it was like a half a yard at a time, you know, and it was like (laughs) kind (laughs) of struggling. Um, But like Tiki Barber, 2005, he had 1,860 yards. Rushing. If we look at um, Walter Payton, that's going back to 1984, 1,684. Tiki Barber again at age 31, 1,662. So Tiki, like he was doing it when he was older. Corey Dillon was 30 years old, 1,635. And then the Patriots here, right? Yep, yep. Yep. And then there was uh, 2004 Curtis Martin with the Jets, and he was 1,697. So that's dude. That's going back to data all time. Like, and I've got like a hundred people on my screen. Um, So, I mean, yeah, we had a few of them back then, but it is pretty rare. Now, again, those are huge seasons. Those are people having absolute, just crusher seasons at that age. And I think that's the, and I I bring it up because I think that's the question you have to ask yourself about passing on Derrick Henry. Am I potentially losing my league by not drafting Derrick Henry? Um, What is the remaining upside? Is there a path where Derrick Henry, I could just really regret not taking him in the third round? Because I think, in most years, there's a simpler answer to that, to where it's like, you know, I can live with not taking so-and-so in the third round. That's why I'm struggling with it so much as I struggle to really suddenly just believe that Derrick Henry doesn't have 1500 yard, 15 touchdown upside. I I feel like he probably still does. Now I could change my mind to your point. We're in a safe space. Haven't (laughs) completely ironed out all the ranks and everything, but there's a part of me that still feels like Derrick Henry just, you know, because of the, type and style of back he is how big he is how well he takes care of himself like there's still a path that like as a third round pick someone could be sitting there you know have gone receiver receiver derrick henry and then they find another running they go running backs late you know to pick up their second running back like i could just see a path where that could like work
0: right now he is the rb8 off the board over underdog so guys i have ranked in front of him nick chubb tony pollard josh jacobs and travis Etienne. so Hey, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better about those guys than Henry right now, Dwayne.
1: Chubb, yeah, Pollard, yeah,
0: Jacobs, and ETN. Like those guys have a legit chance of having every down roll that I just don't think is on the same table for Henry.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I, I think you can make a little bit of argument about ETN. He didn't quite show us really everything we wanted to see, yeah. after, but still a very young player. But yeah, I overall, I agree on those because uh, look, we want the explosive back that can get involved in the passing downs. And that is a problem for Derrick Henry.
0: Last last year, Dwayne, I kept asking you, why did Zach Gentry play more snaps than Pat Friermuth in the Steel Steelers' wildcard game? We never had a good answer. You told me it didn't matter, and guess what? It didn't matter. Why did Jermichael Hastie play more snaps than Travis Etienne in that divisional
1: round game, Dwayne?
0: I have not gotten an answer. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it didn't matter, but uh, yeah. Well, I, look, Etienne disappointed me last year. Like Even when he was on the field, even though a lot of the metrics were looking good, like when I would yeah. watch him, I was still just kind of like... You know, just kind of narrow hips, just didn't really couldn't like he's very fast, right? He can get to the edge, he can do a lot of things really great. But then them not using him in the passing downs and then like not really seeing him take a step forward in his ability, you know, as a as an early down back. Um, I probably overthinking it. He could still be very explosive, but I for whatever reason I've I've got a little bit of concern around Travis Etienne. It also just might have been like the one million DMs I received about you told me to draft <laughs> Travis Etienne.
0: I mean, he he also had five fumbles out there, some, you know, bad, badly timed drops. I think he dropped a touchdown in week one. And oh yeah, Michael freaking hasty played more snaps than him in the divisional round, Dwayne, after Etan didn't come off the field in the wild card round, more or less, in a game that also featured plenty of negative game script. But before we go completely off the rails, let's stick with the script. On Aaron Jones now, because he was fantastic last season. We talk about some of these guys not losing a step. I mean, Aaron Jones, in terms of looking at the stats that uh, try to best, you know, look at independent running back performance, you know, not just complementing their offense and their offensive line. Second among thirty three qualified running backs in PFF Russian grade freaking eighth in yards per out run. That's receiving, but still 10th in yards after contact per carry. He had the eighth highest elusive rating. Like Jones was fantastic last year with the football in his hands. That said, just the RB 17 expected PPR points per game. So Dwayne, I have Aaron Jones right now as my RB 20. He's there in a tier with uh, Jamar Gibbs and DeAndre Swift, basically as these pass catching committee backs. A.J. Dillon's not going anywhere, unfortunately. And I could live with Dillon as an early down compliment. Last year, Jones, 213 carries versus 186 for A.J. Dillon. That's fine. The problem is targets. Jones had 72. Dylan had 43. We were hoping last season that Jones was going to be this Alvin, finally get, you know, his chance to be an Alvin Kamara CMC level back in terms of the total targets afforded his way. Has not been the case in Green Bay. And yeah, I'm probably thinking the overall scoring environment is going to be worse should Aaron Rodgers eventually get traded to the Jets. Thoughts on Jones? I'm not all the way out, but certainly think that he should be closer to that RB2 borderline than, you know, the locked in top 12 back he has been for most of the last five years.
1: Yeah. And again, ADP is really sharp. It's already on this. He's the RB 17 and I have no problem taking him as yep. the RB 17 off the board because was still hyper explosive to your point. That's something that we really want to see. I don't anticipate that all leaving him in one year, you know, now he could get hurt. A lot of things could happen. I agree with you. AJ Dillon isn't going anywhere. So, you know, he's in a, he's in a sometime type of a timeshare exactly, exactly what the coaches will do. We can't really predict like we'll, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to make our predictions, you know, in the preseason. That's the job. Out. But, <laughs> but like most likely they're, they're going to both be involved. Like they're just two good players. But having said that chaos can happen once the NFL season starts, AJ Dillon could fall out of favor, right? He could fumble the ball. He could do a lot of things. AJ Dillon could get hurt. And suddenly Aaron Jones will be an RB one every single week because he can be elite in the passing work as well even though he doesn't get all of that now. So there's a lot of paths to Aaron Jones being successful for you as an RB 17. And I think there's enough of them Ian, that offset the fact that you would be worried about his age this season, right? He can work in the yeah. passing game, explosive playmaker um, injuries could thrust him into a larger role. There's just a lot of ways for him to get there. And the underlying talent profile says that Aaron Jones can still play
0: good news goes into our next point that it's good news for Aaron Jones I should say running backs who do thrive on a second contract almost always do with their original team so that's good news for guys like Aaron Jones Saquon Barkley Tony Pollard Josh Jacobs I would take an extra you know step a moment of hesitation with guys like Miles Sanders David Montgomery Devin Singletary and Damian Harris especially Singletary and Harris who got nowhere near the same sort of you know financial uh, devotion to their teams and that goes for Rashad Penny as well man 600k guaranteed and that's it for Penny. So, hey, great offense. I get it. You know, we've all seen the yards per carry numbers, but grass is usually not greener on the other side for players when they switch teams in free agency. Final note for running backs is that the rookie running back really is king in fantasy football compared to rookies at any other position. I mean, 13 rookies have finished as top 12 fantasy assets over the past 10 years. Quarterback, three, wide receiver, four, tight end. Every other position combined has only had 10. So truly young man's game. But at running back, that is truly the youngest where, again, if you want to have more of a Leonardo DiCaprio outlook on your running backs, probably not a bad idea. Let's talk a little bit wide receiver here, Dwayne, where 30 is pretty much the breaking point. But one thing that I guess I was surprised with is just how close wide receiver is to running back. We kind of have this idea in our heads that wide receivers can last a lot longer. And again, the data does back up that we don't see that cliff for another year, year and a half, but it still is there pretty much when you hit 30. So I mentioned this before, but only 11 individual wide receivers have posted top 12 fantasy production after their age starts to begin with a three. Larry Fitzgerald and Edelman obviously had the multiple set. Uh, You know, years. Maybe this is something, Dwayne, though, where similar to quarterbacks, we are seeing, you know, these elite route technician wide receivers keep on keeping on a little bit older than in the past because we did have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen all accomplish that last year. That was on a per-game basis, though. So Keenan and DeAndre certainly benefited from not having the whole season. But it's pretty important, man, because we got Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, in addition to Adams, Hopkins, and Keenan, all hitting that 30-year-old thresh mark by next year. So out of this group, anyone that you're overly concerned with in terms of especially the guys that are costing us high ADP, Devontae, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs?
1: A lot of this, I look at how good has the receiver been? Like if they've really been like a high end asset, right? And then like, how do they win? Like, is their game based on speed? What is it based on? If you get to play in the slot like that helps like Keenan Allen, um, not as worried, you know, when I look at, you know, someone like Mike Evans, I worry a little bit more, right? Because more of his element is winning down the field. Now he can still do that with contested balls. And we've seen a little bit of a fall off from Mike Evans over the last few years. Anyway, Brandon Cooks would be one I would be a little bit more worried about. But again, ADP is pretty much pricing it in on those guys. Cooks is going later, like Mike Evans is not an early round pick. Um, I agree with you uh, when I look at Devonte Adams, like because his ADP is so high. Cooper Cup's ADP is so high. I'm more worried about Stafford, honestly, for Cooper Cup, but. <laughs> cooper cup gets to play in the slot the way he wins is not just by blowing people away he's a very crafty player uh he stays on the same page with his quarterback he gets schemed up a ton Um, stefan diggs is not a burner the way he wins is more through his quickness than his speed as a separator michael thomas i worry about a little bit more because he's always been more of a contested catch player he's already piled up injuries that means he takes a lot of contact right he takes a lot of big hits he works over the middle works underneath so I do think that there's some potential there, and mainly because he's already had the injury issues. He's actually a profile that's similar to DeAndre Hopkins if he hadn't already dealt with such chronic injury issues. So um, you know I, I think a lot of it comes down to you know the individual individual players, and again, really the ADP, and the ones that are high here are Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, and really Devonte Adams. Most of these other guys are priced down, like to where I like them. Like right now, Keenan over on underdogs, the wide receiver twenty eight. He's Ooh. going at pick 51. Yeah. So you're getting Keenan Allen, uh, in the early fifth round of your drafts. You know I mean? If you want Mike Evans, I mean, a lot of people are purely fading him. Like he's going pick 65 for Mike Evans. So yes. it, again, very, very sharp ADP early on. And this is, I think one of the advantages that we get with best ball, right? People with actual money invested in these things, really thinking, thinking it through and drafting. And so uh, for the most part, I don't see any that are just, you know, Super concerning to me because ADP is already pretty much taking care of it.
0: The only one that, again, isn't being taken care of with ADP that I was a little you know skeptical of is Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs. But as you were talking about, the Cup thing is just more so, I think, aligned with Stafford and with Diggs and also Cup. I mean, who else in these offenses are going to stop these dudes from getting the 160 targets that they're getting each and every year? So if we did see, what if we did see a DeAndre Hopkins go to Buffalo, Dwayne? Like that would be the situation where then maybe we got to downgrade Diggs a little bit, but... I don't know. They've never had like a real number two really ever since uh, they got Josh Allen there. I mean, Smokey Brown, Cole Beasley, quite the tandem, but especially since Diggs got there, hasn't quite had, you know, his true Robin. Any thoughts on, you know, being more concerned about Diggs if they actually do finally add that higher end wide receiver too?
1: Well, I think it would take a little away, a little bit of ceiling, right? Because the thing we talked about with Diggs last preseason was the fact that he was just ranked too low. Should have been ranked with Jamar Chase and all the guys up top. Um, and it really you know he continued to demand targets at a really high level but it gave you the upside in a pass first offense that all of a sudden you could have the wide receiver one on your hands I think if Hopkins signs there it probably takes that away I don't think it overall though really hurts Stefan Diggs that much because I think the targets easily come away from other guys that just haven't been able to earn them like Gabe Davis Dawson Knox they are more just second third read you know Kind of guys. I shouldn't say that most passes in the NFL are first read, no matter what, but their ability to earn targets from a targets per route run standpoint has just not been good over the course of their career. Uh, and when we look at Khalil Shakir, like, yeah, it's a nice rookie from last year, but like, didn't really do that much. Don't expect him to take a huge leap. So I think most of what Hopkins would do would really be first, just limit those guys even more, right? And it becomes really a target tree around two guys with Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, I think the ceiling case would be a little lower for digs.
0: I will say, if you do a best ball draft, I am begging you to take Deontay Hardy in round 20 because he is going way too late in drafts right now. Pick 213. Wide receiver, 89. I really need glasses, Dwayne, but I will not give you the satisfaction uh, to wear them on this podcast anytime soon. Final note here. Appreciate you guys sticking with us, as always, on the Fantasy Life Podcast. Is that rookie tight ends? Yeah, they almost never do shit. We've only had three rookie tight ends over the past 10 years. Put forward top 12 production on a per-game basis. Jordan Reed in 2013 oh my god healthy Jordan Reed was a hell of a drug Dwayne that guy could freaking ball 2017 Evan Ingram and 2021 Kyle Pitts and Ingram and Pitts's case I mean Pitts ended up being a disappointment because the hype was just so out of control but he actually benefited from Calvin Ridley being suspended the entire season and Ingram as a rookie that was the year where OBJ only played four games before he broke his ankle out there so Rob Gronkowski did accomplish this if you want to move it back to 2010 but by and large man just should not be wasting your time on these rookies. I did write up a uh, scouting profile on Michael Mayer this morning. That will be on fantasylife.com I believe, by Wednesday. And a very good player. I see why he's ranked as number one tight end in the class. But even then, Dwayne, seeing him as tight end eighteen ADP. If anything, I'd rather take a shot on the other rookie tight ends that are well, you know, in below in the tight end thirty range. I really think. And dot dynasty changes everything. But in terms of what we're expecting in twenty twenty three, even in a really loaded class of rookie tight ends really want to go out of your way to draft any of them.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, this year is going to have a good chance to change the trend because there's so many, they're going to go in the first two to three rounds of the NFL draft. I won't be surprised if one or two of these guys end up beside the top 12. Um, I haven't thought much about where I would be willing to draft them. I will say mayor. And I know you've got a cool article coming out on him this week. Ian, um, I was very impressed by the fact that as a freshman, He had a nice target share, follow it up. He got better basically every season. He was a huge part of Notre Dame's offense all three years. We don't usually see early declare tight ends that are as young as mayor. So there are a lot of things to like about him. Um, Landing spot would be a kind of an interesting part, right? Of this equation, especially for the tight ends. Do they land somewhere where maybe they could take over a slot role immediately? Because if you can Like that's a path, right? That's a path where you could be successful sooner rather than later. A big part of where tight ends tend to struggle, at least in my view is when they want you to come in and play in line and just the demands of the position, the strength that's required to be blocking defensive linemen at the NFL level. It's a lot more, let's just say it's a lot more than the strength I have, Ian. And it's probably more than most tight ends when they come out of college, despite how strong some of these guys are and how big they are. And there's also the learning curve of understanding all your blocking assignments, plus understanding all of your receiving assignments it's just more on your plate all the way around so i think if you find some guys that have been really high end receiving options like we saw kyle pitts play outside his rookie year they didn't play him in line if you go back to evan ingram pretty sure he played most of those from the slot jordan reed i think played in line more in but like he was more treated like a slot receiver he'd do it all he'd do it all yeah so I think that'll be the other component. Let's see where they land. What does the depth chart look like? Is there a path to them taking over, you know, maybe a lot of the slot, you know, opportunity. Uh, I think that'll be a key.
0: We're going to have a podcast here in the next few weeks where we kind of post free agency and everything's settled. We look at still like the top remaining landing spots for any remaining free agents. And more importantly, you know, the guys that are about to get drafted, but just quickly while you were talking, Dwayne, I went through all 32 teams, to try to see who still has that big need at tight end and a good enough offense. and, there's six teams that I think if any of these, you know, rookie tight ends went there, it would be feeling pretty good. The Cowboys, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Commanders, and the Lions. I mean, especially the Cowboys, Bengals, Lions, because I think we've seen them give their tight ends those, you know, lead near every down rolls before. But hell. Even if, you know, Mike McDaniel finally sits on a tight end, they just never even considered Mike Jusecki to be that guy. Washington, we've joked about it over the years where, you know, we can never, never, God forbid they give a running back a featured role, but the next tight end up is always just getting a legit 100% snap role. I know it's a little soon, you know, for the Broncos and moving on from Albert O and stuff. I guess they do have, uh, uh, they they already have their uh, Greg Dolchitz going there, so we can cross them off the list. But at a minimum, man, Cowboys, Dolphins, Bengals, Commanders, and Lions. Could, uh, in fact, change some of those trends to Dwayne's point. But overall, certainly hasn't been a good history for those rookie tight ends. We're going to close things out, Dwayne, with one final note. And that is not breaking news, more so just funny news than anything. But Patriots owner Robert Kraft said that Meek Mill texted him three or four days ago saying Lamar Jackson wanted to come to New England. So Meek Mill is calling for Lamar at the Patriots, Dwayne. And who? Who are we to, you know, hate on what Meek Mill saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, that's the, well, that's the one I don't want Lamar to go to, so sorry, sorry, Meek. All right, Dwayne,
0: <laughs> you've been absolutely grinding the supermodel, and now, yeah, pause <laughs> that's a great way of saying that, but wow. l- 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 <laughs> let the people know what's coming the fantasy wow, I life. Dot com. to fantasylife.com
1: later, Ian. Come on, um, yeah, so we have been working on a model behind <laughs> the scenes, not necessarily grinding it, and yes, we are calling <laughs> it the supermodel just because you know, if you guys listen to Ian and I. We just like to have fun with it because everybody's talking about their model. So we're going to have a supermodel and uh, wide receivers will drop tomorrow and it'll be on the site. Um, You'll get more about it in the newsletter tomorrow as well. And then we'll be following it up with some YouTube stuff on that. But just really taking a lot of the key data points from college that we've seen correlate to early success in fantasy football over the first two years and really incorporating some of the more advanced data. Right. So looking at, you know, explosive target rate, yards per route run, different things like that. Also implementing things that have been longstanding data points that the dynasty community loves that have been well researched, well documented. Doesn't mean those things won't count in the model. They will, but uh, just really excited. And we're going to be looking to get a tool up on the site. So you guys can go in and be able to look at that and play around with it and do your own thing with it. So yeah, super excited. Uh, Like I mentioned, most of that stuff will stop, start dropping tomorrow. If you
0: want to call your Excel spreadsheet a model, go ahead and do you. It's not hurting anything, but man, it reminds you of like that, uh, family guy scene where like Peter's talking about like where he hides his porn. And then they like cut to this, you know, Peter going through, pulling the book, you know, out of the bookcase and this like secret passageway and all this stuff going on, like just to find this like nudie magazine at the end of everything. It's Excel like spreadsheet, okay? That's your model and Excel expre- spreadsheet, and that's fine. But just spare me the idea that you know we're doing anything that mm-hmm. important here, just ranking some fantasy guys. But Dwayne's supermodel will be out it's there on display soon. Of the supermodel
1: name. <laughs>
0: with all that said, we're gonna go with supermodel over here. So gotta <laughs> love, uh, t- gotta love that. All right, everyone, you can catch out, you can catch my age cliff article, and finally get the tiers out there as well. Hoping to do some, you know, solo YouTube videos as well, where I actually build the tiers from start to finish. So keep an eye. Now for those again, MB Fantasy Life would really mean a lot to me, Dwayne, and you know, thousands of people around the world if you guys just subscribe to that YouTube channel should you get the chance. And yeah, that's gonna do it for Dwayne. I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.